0: Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects, and they have been since 1972. Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, Rubber, even custom hoses, and specifically this time of year, they are your one-stop shop for anything and everything. Snowplows with snowplow blades that can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. They custom make it all. You can purchase products for yourself, and of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. And just like us here at DNVR, they are locally owned. So be sure to give them a call for snowplow needs or anything else made out of. Rubber. Rubber, and you can reach them at 1-800-259-0010, or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. And Cole gets another good righty, and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time! Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and and scars! Nathan McKinnon, Call j t Comfort, 877 goes now. Gabriel Landescock, Collective Hugs, 29 and 92. See me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. <laughs> Welcome into the DNBR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer for you to try, as well as wines and liquors from around the world. Be sure to download their app today to get incredible deals and sign up for their loyalty program. Plus, you can even get the booze delivered if that's what you like they have two locations one in Centennial and one in Highlands Ranch so you can head on down to either of those if you want to get in store to pick up they even have tastings on Fridays and Saturdays if you want to figure out what type of beer you are looking for I'm Nathan Rudolph he's AJ Hayfley. we are here on a Thursday as the Avs gear up to play tonight Because Alex Ovechkin is chasing history a little bit with goal number 700 coming, all of Denver gets to watch this one as it is going to be on NBCSN. So you will actually be able to tune in on TV tonight. That's always fun. AJ, how are you doing? Are you excited to see Ovi get 700? I am. Uh, I wrote
1: in one of my takeaway pieces from a couple games ago that uh, it was setting up nicely so that we would get to see 700 tonight. Which would be cool. I mean, just from a you know, from a selfish standpoint, it would be, it would be fun to see. You know, definitely
0: not every day you get to see something like that. Yeah, yeah, and you know, not not
1: sitting here like rooting for the abs to lose or anything, but um, this chase has been going on for a little while now. He's been sitting on seven ninety eight for a couple games, so you know he doesn't go too long in between goals. So it's uh. We'll we'll see. I think it's going to be a fun night. It's going to be an electric night. Obviously, uh, Avs fans care a lot more about seeing how the Avs match up against the Caps. Uh,
0: caps fans care a lot about Ovi getting 700. So I think it's going to be a fun night, man. Yeah, I mean, we can kind of get into this conversation, right? The first time the Avs played the Caps, it kind of quickly turned into a blowout. The Caps did fight back, but ultimately the Abs coasted to a victory for the most part, so this is a return of this matchup, and it's it's a much different time of year than it was early in the season. The Capitals have established themselves as a juggernaut a bit in the East. There are three teams, really, that are going off in the East, but the Abs have now established themselves as a top team in the West as well, so yeah, a little adverse to call anything a, a likely Stanley cup finals matchup, but this one is pretty high on the list of possible chances. I would say.
1: Yeah. Um, going to be interesting. I, I feel pretty good that they're not going to score three goals on their first three shots again. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, Braden Holpe is in net tonight and uh, Kuznetsov is out um, as he remains day to day. What I think is interesting is that the Caps are very mediocre at home. Uh, they are, they're 16-9-4 at home, which is just okay. But they're
0: 26-1 and 1 on the road. That's pretty absurd. Only team in the league with 20 wins on the road. So, Yeah, and uh, I think there's only one
1: team within a couple wins of them. And that's Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah. Two teams. Tampa Bay has got 19 uh, road wins and Colorado has 18. So yeah, pretty, uh, they're, they're pretty good uh, away from their own barn. So we'll see, you know, but they've lost a couple games in a row. Um, They're, they are an exceptional team. Um, certainly one of the best that the league has to offer. And sitting right now, if, if the playoffs were to begin, they would easily be one of the Cup favorites.
0: Yeah. Hard to argue against that. The Avs do have the benefit of being on a five-game winning streak. They are 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10 as well. So maybe coming in a little bit on the hotter side than Washington. Uh, kind of maybe balancing the scales a little bit with Kuznetsov out as the Avs obviously will not have Kadri as well. Mm-hmm. Where the Avs, where's the Avs firepower going to come from in this game? Can they out-depth Washington, or is this a uh, McKinnon special?
1: Uh, I, You know, I think what makes the Avs so difficult this year is that they can out-depth teams. Yeah. Uh, and obviously losing Kadri, that, that one really hurts, because the guys replacing him, you know, uh, comp for stepping up into that role, especially very inconsistent this year right and because of that you do, i i can't sit here with any like confidence and say that the avs depth is going to win out tonight but i i will say that i think it's it's going to be competitive i think this will be a good game i i would be very surprised if it was it was a blowout either way um colorado has struggled at home um this this year I want to see what game two looks like. Game game one, back from the long road trip, very much looked like the kind of sloppy, disjointed game that a tired team plays uh, when they just got back from a long road trip and haven't had very much time off. Uh, that's why they, they took practice off yesterday and just said, hey, we're just going to rest. We want yep. to be geared up for this game properly. And that's where they are. And I, I think that this is... Um, I I want to see McKinnon and Rantanen and, and really McKinnon especially show out in this one. He you know six games back now he's got I think six points. He I think he finished with two that assists. The other right. day. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, because the uh the the empty net goal got him that second assist. Yeah, that's um, right. He had seventy two at the break, and he's at seventy eight now. So, and which, by the way, what a great defensive play that he made to to start that empty net goal.
0: Nice job, yep. by him. Yep, McKinnon's pretty good on
1: that side. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely getting better, which is really really encouraging. Because once he starts to set his sights on things to get better at, it's just like he just eventually dominates. Anyway, um, if he could only care about faceoffs now, right? um he that he really hasn't had one of those dominant games at all in any of those six games coming back like he just really has not taken over and just been that super special player that we're so accustomed to seeing so i'm i keep waiting i just i talk about it feels like i talk about it before every game because i'm just waiting for it to happen, like knowing it's coming at some point. It always does
0: with him. Yeah, he he's had a couple of two-point nights, uh, but his last three-point-plus night was all the way back at the start of January against St. Louis. So he's been extremely consistent, but we all know that he has that ability to just completely tear a game wide open that yeah. we haven't quite seen. And on national, the,
1: the national TV, man, uh, if, if this is something that you really legitimately care about, this is important for Kale McCarr. Yeah. You got it. You got to put up big performances in front of national TV. Uh, he's, he's losing right now. Uh, he's his grip on the Calder is slipping and it's slipping quickly. So he needs, he needs a good three point night dominant effort to kind of. Reboost his profile in that race. You know, it's, it's secondary, obviously, like you care about winning the games and that the abs keep doing their thing. But, you know, you it's cool to win awards, see your guys win awards. So uh, I think I think Makar needs to I think he needs to show out.
0: Yeah, it's a bit unfortunate that what you look like at the national level does have such a big effect on those type of awards, I think, but. Nonetheless, that's the reality. So, McCark needs to find a way to get a little involved in this one hopefully. And uh hey, making yourself some comparisons with John Carlson this year wouldn't be uh wouldn't be too bad of a thing. So, those two going probably not head to head, but will be on the same ice together in this game. Looking through the rest of this lineup. I guess I'll be interesting to see what Grubauer looks like in this game. He's played very, very well, other than the Philadelphia game after the break. But mm-hmm. he hasn't had to really face an Ovechkin yet. He hasn't had to face this high-powered of an offense, so he's gonna be put to the test a little bit here. Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, best offense that he's faced was Philly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, I I think you know Grubauer's actually played pretty well i would agree um i mean obviously the last week he's been exceptional but even if you go back a little bit before then you know the the shutout that he had against san jose i think really kind of pushed back on track yeah pushed him in the right direction yeah definitely and then uh obviously it's, it's building towards this week and this last week that's happened yeah where he's been very good um He's gotta rise it up to this challenge. Like them them giving up. They they played three games against uh Buffalo and Ottawa, and you know, they gave up two goals. <laughs> that's that's great. Um you've gotta lock it down. The team has to be very disciplined. They can't give away uh free opportunities on the power play to this team just because you know what Oveshkin's gonna do
0: just for a little bit of a comparison here Washington actually their power play has not been exceptional this year they're only sitting at about 20.3%, only a 1 percentage point better than the avs
1: as far as i know it's it's not normally like dominant but it's just that you just set up ov and just yeah. roll and it's like okay <laughs> This is just how it's gonna be. Like, we <laughs> dare you to try and stop the one of the all time greats from doing what he does. Give him enough chances, one of these will go in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, they they've they've got a challenge in front of them tonight, man. They they really do. Uh, they've got to they've got to outplay them. Um, they they need Grubauer to be their best PKer. They this the, the PK just has to stop hemorrhaging goals.
0: Yeah. And um, it has looked a bit better of late, you know, granted playing teams like Ottawa, you expect it to look better, Mm -hmm. but maybe that's something, a little bit of confidence to build off for them. We did see them try and mess around with Tyson Jost on the PK, but we can get into that into the second period as we got to wrap this first period up here. And of course, it's time to let you guys know about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Not drinking one right now, which is which is a little unusual for me, but I will be drinking one tomorrow evening when you guys come hang out with AJ and I over at Blake Street Tavern. But if you're looking for some for yourself, be sure to go to their website. They have their Breck beer locator on there where you can find whatever type of breck beer you're looking for where to go out and purchase it whether it be the strawberry sky the colorado avalanche amber ale or any of their other beers the agave wheat sure why not it's a can i have sitting in front of me here so check that out and go try some new breck beers for yourself and also make sure to check out the Breckenridge Brewery event calendar over on dnvr.com as we have all of our events planned there. We have an ABS Watch Party planned for the 22nd, so that should be a fun time. Be sure to RSVP to that and come out and have a good time. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Ruto and AJ. We have this conversation seemingly every week, sometimes more than that. But there have been some changes to the Avs' special teams. Tyson Jost getting in on the PK the other night against Ottawa. The Avs changing things up. Is this going to be an improvement? Is this kind of just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks here? AJ, what's your take on it?
1: Uh, I like the idea of seeing if Jost can contribute to that unit. I mean, the unit hasn't been very good, Um Specifically, JT Comfer has not been very good on it. And uh, if he's going to be your second line center, he's going to kind of do like pull him off that unit. He's been he's easily been one of the weakest uh, aspects of that unit. Don't don't mess with it anymore. Just
0: let it be. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. By most metrics, Comfer is the Avs' weakest penalty killer that gets regular time. So, so moving him off of it is one that makes sense. Tyson Jost on it, I, it's a bit curious. Obviously, as he seems to be settling into what is a bottom six role, mm-hmm. the Avs would love for him to be able to do things like that. I'm just not exactly sure what to expect out of him. Yeah, I see what you have.
1: Yeah. they you know they've they've always in my opinion they've always misused him on the power play um at least he would see if you can get a PKer out of him you know get get somebody that can help out uh on one of the special teams units cuz right now this is what this is one of the reasons that makes him uh such an odd like sort of misfit in uh Colorado's bottom 6 right now is that he's he's the bottom six guy that doesn't do anything on special teams. And you can't really have that bottom sixes. The most effective bottom sixes are made up of units uh, of of players who are specialty guys who can contribute on, on special teams who can help you out. You know, a lot of it is killing penalties or winning face-offs. Occasionally you'll get a bottom six guy that can really help you on a PK or on a, on a power play. Or one of them ends up being really weirdly, bizarrely good at a shootout or something, and right now, like Tyson Jost is like just like this this dude that they don't really know what to do with. And if they're able to get a, a PK guy out of him, like it, the PK hadn't been very good as it is. So it's it's not like we're sitting here talking about a bunch of exceptional PK guys that are getting uh, getting sat down in favor of Jost. We're talking about a unit that hadn't been very good. Uh, continues to not be very good. Yeah. Getting, getting a little bit of a different look just to see if one player might be able to actually contribute and help uh, help it out. I don't see a downside here.
0: Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. Just to kind of reiterate your point the Evs bottom six, their forwards that are leading in PKTOI are Matt Nieto, was JT Confer, then Belmar and Calvert. And after that, you have the middle six guys, whatever you want to call them, Val Nachushkin and Jonas Donskoy, helping out as, as kind of the fifth and sixth guys in TOI, whereas Tyson Jost had not even touched it. So getting him more involved, not only is it a way for him to fill into a bottom six role, it gets him some more ice time. This is a guy who has struggled to find ice time a lot and the, especially as this year has gone on and gotten later into it. So I do think it's a good way to get him more involved in the game. You know, if it 100% crashes and burns over the la the next 10 games, you're right where you were, where you started. So it, it can't hurt, right? Yeah,
1: it really, I mean, it really can't. Like it's, what do you, what do you, you ask, you know, what do you, what do you really have to lose and right now, it's just not that much, man.
0: Yep, I'm with you on that one. You've also seen the PK at times look a little bit better. You take away that Minnesota game where where it did struggle a bit. Yeah. How much of that is Grubauer? Is is the question? Obviously, goaltender is your best PK or blah 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 blah. But has there been a bit of an uptrend in the way it's playing? I think so.
1: I think that they've said they want to be more aggressive, and I think they've accomplished that for the most part. I think they have been uh, more aggressive, and that's all good and well. But you still can't have the big breakdowns, you know the big the big cross crease passes, uh, getting getting through and going under the back door, because the Minnesota game was concerning. But really, outside of that, um, you know, I'm I'm not feeling. Very bad about a lot of what they've done on the PK uh, since then. I I feel like they have been solid. Like the the goal they gave up against Columbus, for example, like that's not a PK unit issue. Right. Like that's a that's a, Grubauer got beat on that shot, and that's about it. But I think they've been fine. I think that there have been improvements. Um, I'm. cautiously optimistic that both units are slowly moving in a better direction.
0: Yeah, we can jump into that power play side as well. Three power play goals in their last 11 tries. Definitely a significant uptick there. Uh, They even got the second unit involved against Ottawa with Nachushkin picking up a a nice goal off a pass from Burakovsky. To me, the, the power play units when they're working, do seem a little bit more fluid. I think they are starting to move around a bit more. It comes and goes. We They got five chances in Ottawa. Two of them, including the one they scored on, looked pretty good. Three of them were very blah, where they struggled to get into the zone and were very stagnant. So yeah. maybe still fighting some consistency issues there, but they have power play goals in three of their last four games, and that's good enough.
1: Well, when they are regularly winning the the even-strength battle, them getting even just a power play goal. And, like, there was so much frustration in the Ottawa game. Oh, my gosh. You know, they, they finished that game one for five. That's right at 20%. Yep. And, like, that's the number where we're all like, oh, they need to be at 20%. Right. At one the, for
0: five is good enough.
1: They're at 19.4 on the season, so... I think we could say that it, it's it's not good enough that the talent on here, it should be higher. It should be more like probably 24%,
0: 25%. I mean, it should, but I think the bigger problem there is consistency. If the abs went one for five every night, I think there would be a lot less complaints. It's the 20 chances in a row that they go without scoring a single one, and then they'll have nights where they get two or three. So... And that's just kind of how it goes. It is know? to a certain extent, but you need some stabilizing factors there. And I think one of those, particularly, is Miko Rantanen. So, him seemingly getting back on track with his game, I think, has been a step in the right direction, certainly for that top unit. The Avs love that seam pass and for a large portion of this year, it either wasn't working or for whatever reason, when Miko would get it, he just would not shoot the puck. That's a big place. I think the abs can start to look a little better.
1: Yeah. He's an X factor for that unit. um, Because it's been so McKinnon has to do something. McKinnon has to do something. And I think McKinnon's been frustrating on the power play too, because he'll get it. And he'll like, when he just winds up and and fires a one timer, like cool. He doesn't he doesn't score a lot of those. It's never really been his MO, but he's added it to his game more this year. Yeah. And that's great. But <clears throat> I think that he needs to he needs to be less predictable because there are times where I'm sitting there where where we're watching it and I'm I can tell you what's about to happen when he gets that puck.
0: Yeah. And skate like down the half wall, skate back up, give it back to Makar. Or or like when
1: he stands there, you especially know when he doesn't do that, then and he freezes with the puck. You know he's trying to force it either to ranton in on the far side or land a scog on the back door right in like right in front of the net. Yep. And it ends up it ends up in a turnover far too often. Often enough that I know that that
0: it ends up in a turnover. Right. So, definitely a little bit of lack of creativity, maybe. And it's, I mean, that's an issue that every power play goes through, but the Avs in particular have always seemed to be very stuck in their structure in that way. So. Yeah, they, uh, there's plenty of times
1: where the Avs just don't, yeah, they don't want to move it. They don't want to put the put the work into creating the kind of chances that they should be.
0: And that's- because there, there are a lot
1: of times where this power play will fail. And, you know, naturally, people are like, oh, you got to fire the coach. But you look at it. And it's like you can t- – I can tell you the coach isn't telling him to throw the puck away into that dude. Like right. he is, he's not telling you to turn it over right into that guy and just throw the puck at him. And they do stuff like that. You know, there there were – one of their power plays uh, against Ottawa, the first unit – it might have even been the one they ended up scoring on, but the first unit went out there and McCarr flubbed a pass and it got cleared. They re- they regained the entry, Miko flubbed a pass and it got cleared, and that was it. Like they were done. Well, and yeah, and it's just like, look, dude, like this isn't this isn't the coach over there telling them to do it. Like these guys aren't executing. They need it, to be executing at a much higher level. They have way more talent. They whatever whatever systems issues
0: that people have, these guys need to be executing at a higher level. It's They really do. It's kind of funny. Even the the power play goal in that game comes off of a play where Jost gets a feed in the high slot and completely whiffs on the puck. And then a a broken play is just a total scramble where the Avs outwork the Senators, are able to recollect the puck, and then Burakovsky finds Nachushkin open, cutting down the middle, and, and finishes on a bit of a scramble, which the Avs all year long have been significantly more successful with speed in chaotic situations that half court offensive setup is just things kind of melt down at times. Yeah. <clears throat> when
1: they can just play. Yep. They are dangerous and they are hard to handle because they are, they have so much skill that they can do things creatively and, and at a level that other teams just may not be able to. And instead they're trying to play, you know, power plays the penalty kills are very rigid and that's a frustration
0: and the abs don't have an alex ovechkin as much as nathan mckinnon tries to be at times they they don't have the magic ability to put the puck in the back of the net off of a play that everyone knows is coming very often yep So we'll go ahead and end the second period there, as we seem to talk about the F's special teams every single week. But if their PK gets better, AJ, what would that be? (laughs)
1: Life-changing.
0: AJ is desperate for a... Penalty Kill Improvement, also potentially life-changing, is Strava Craft Coffee, as if you haven't tried it yet, they now do offer it in K-Cups if you're a Keurig type of person. Of course, they also still do have full bean and ground versions as well. Be sure to check it out as this CBD-infused coffee has changed lives, whether it be to help with migraines, indigestion, IBS, Basically, you name it, anxiety as well. It has helped a ton of people. The CBD is not psychoactive, just to be clear on that. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully, and get better on the PK. You know how it is. Be sure to check it out for yourself today. You can order it online and use code DNBR20 for 20% off your entire purchase third period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by davidson's with rudo and aj aj question for you who -hmm. is the best coach in the league barry trotz barry trotz i think many 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 people would agree with you on that one after leading the capitals to a stanley cup he's gone to the islanders and basically turned them into a well-oiled machine playing a very specific style of hockey that turns out wins a lot of hockey games. How does he do this? How has he become the best coach in the league seemingly overnight?
1: Well, <clears throat>
0: I'd be remiss if I did not
1: acknowledge. He also has the best goaltender coach in his pocket. Yeah. That Mitch Corn helps a little bit. <laughs> Mitch Corn follows them around from job to job. So, you know, it's, and it's like, let's be real. It's hard to separate
0: those. You, you know, there's it, a it, reason that we joke about the Jack Adams being a goaltending award. I mean, that's a totally true thing. So it, it is what it is. Coaching and goaltending are going to be somewhat inseparable. Yeah. Which is
1: uh, why why we saw Paul Maurice get the, get that extension in Winnipeg. You know, it, Connor Halbuck yeah. is back to having a, a, a fantastic season. And Jets management is like, dope. Doing a great job, coach. Yeah. We, that- we, we know that we've got a compromised team this year and that they're not as good.
0: Uh, so you must be doing faboo out there. Doing something right because your goaltender has a 925 save percentage. Yeah.
1: And, you know, uh, coach getting his contract extended. Because uh, <laughs> be because he's got a goaltender playing out of his mind is just one of those things where it's like, yeah, this happens all the time.
0: It, it does, but on the flip side, we have seen our fair share of coaches get fired this year midseason because of a lot of them. Whether it just be underperformance top to bottom or, or struggling goaltending in some cases. I mean, the New Jersey situation has just been absolutely Ugh. brutal. So, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you look at uh, Pete DeBoer in San Jose. Yeah. With Martin Jones stuck back there. It, yeah. Irreconcilable, basically. Yeah. And the, the surprising
1: part was that Pete DeBoer was, what, uh, on the market for 10 minutes? Yeah,
0: like a week. <laughs> And then Vegas was like, huh, we could give that a try. Yeah. Well, and it hasn't turned it around. Gerard not- Gallant,
1: I think, has been proven to not be the problem. And if you look, Marc-Andre Fleury is. Shocker. Shocker there. It's really, really hard to get through the bad NHL when you, you, are, you get bad goaltending. And, like, Flowers hadn't been good this year.
0: It's just a fact at this point. I mean, poor performance in goal is one of the biggest effectors to a team's consistency. If they're consistently on top, they're going to win a lot. If they're consistently bad, most teams are going to lose a lot. Well, and this is part of what has made Washington such a,
1: such a, you know, drives home. How good they are is what I'll say, because Braden Holtby's in a career year or in a contract year, has not been good this season
0: and they just keep humming along. It must be nice. It must be nice, especially when they're led by a defenseman in point scoring as well. But which is you consider all the money that they
1: have invested in their forward core and all the talent and You know, certainly one Hall of Famer, maybe even two up front between Ovechkin and Backstrom. And the fact that John Carlson is doing what he's doing is actually just
0: incredible. It it really is. I mean, 52 assists, 67 points. It's unbelievable involvement on a a team with all that talent. Uh, You mentioned Kuznetsov, Kuznetsov is hurt, but between him, Vrana, and Backstrom, you have a... Ton of guys surrounding Ovi picking up points here, and and Carlson has inserted himself as a defenseman doing the same.
1: This was this was the the team that could not
0: find more time to give to Andre Burakovsky. Yep. You, going down the list, then you have TJ Oshi and Tom Wilson as well to to round out their top six, and you that's an absurd top six as you mentioned one and a half Hall of famers a bunch of young talent as well some some veteran experience and oshi some guys with grit like Tom Wilson it's it's borderline an ideal top six it's what the avs have essentially tried to create and may continue trying to create through the deadline this year and then you add John Carlson in and this is it's it's weird the parallels just keep coming to me here of with Kale McCarr, this is what the Abs might be a year or two from now, if not it, later on during the playoffs. Well, when you look at you look at Sam Gerrard
1: as a guy that profiles very similarly to Dmitry Orlov. Yep, a strong puck mover, but not like a dominant offensive player, but a very good
0: defender despite not being huge. Not going to score many goals, but will get actively involved in the offense. Yep, it, it's. It's not a bad pick for a team that you're trying to parallel. I'll, I'll put it that way is whether intentionally or not. <laughs> yeah, right. Even if it was on accident, uh, it, it feels pretty good that that comparison is there. As Washington has been one of the top teams in the East for the better part of a decade now, at least a half decade, certainly. I so, mean, I mean, really, most of Ovechkin's career. Certainly, once he established himself in the league, yeah.
1: Yeah, there were a couple of those first couple of years, they were still bad. Yeah. But that's when they, it was like, them, then they got uh, Backstrom in, in line and
0: off they went. Yep. Turns out, you know, having one of the best passers and best scorers in the league together is pretty good. <laughs> um, But, but looking at that, like coaching that team, you say, all right, great, here's Ovi and Backstrom. Go score, and they do. You don't have to tell them a whole lot.
1: Yeah, compared- yeah. I mean, it's very it's very set and forget for them, right? Right. But they've also invested heavily in their depth this year. Sure. Uh, you look at what they've done in their bottom six, going out and, and spending money and giving out term as well. Uh, they clearly felt that that was an area of need for them.
0: And, I mean, you kind of could see that coming, right? With moves like sending Burakovsky to the Avs, which for cap reasons they had to, Mm -hmm. they understood that that leaves a hole to fill. Burakovsky is a player that is above that level as he has proven with the Avs. So did they go about it the best way? Maybe, maybe not. But I I think it was a good recognition for them to understand what they should be trying to do Mm -hmm. it's just i i don't love some of their moves then again i mean honestly carl Hagelin has worked out okay for them so maybe i i can't argue
1: yeah it's like the 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 garnet hathaway thing is like that's that's the stuff that frustrates me yeah you give a four-year deal to a guy that's in his late 20s who is strictly a fourth line player and it's like dude. Overcommit. commit like, I, I know that you think he really brings something but like he's he's coming off a career year of 19 points yeah you know and that it's just it would be like if the avs had given a four-year deal to, yeah. to belmar yeah where it's like, dude, it's and and they gave they gave four year deals to Hagelin, Panic, and Hathaway.
0: Yeah, that's half of your bottom six, basically.
1: Yeah, that is now locked up for four years. All of them will be into their thirties when they end, and they are, they they will cost seven and a half, almost eight million.
0: Just those yep. guys. Yeah, it'd be five and a half, seven, yeah, seven million between those three in your bottom six. And not only does it do, is it the, the straight up cost of it when you're committed to players in your bottom six like that? It becomes very difficult to get rookies in and get them opportunities in sheltered roles. So, yeah. And, you know, they they drafted in the first round last year the overage kid, Brett Leeson. Who um, someone you expect overage, to make but, you the you jump know. very quick? You, yeah. Overage for the draft. Yeah, his second time eligible, I believe. Yes, he was nineteen, or by he would be nineteen by the draft eligibility date. Whatever. Yeah, he's twenty now. Yeah, actually, he turns twenty two. He turns he
1: turns twenty one at this the end year. of the yeah at the end of the year.
0: So he is an overage this year then. So,
1: um, I guess the second time eligible then.
0: There you go. So a bit of a disconnect there maybe for Washington, picking up a guy that you would assume would make the jump quickly and not really having the room for him.
1: Yeah, and then spending all the money to put bodies in his way. Right.
0: But, I mean, we see teams do this all the time, right? Dude, if the Capitals feel like they're in their final push to try and get another cup out of this window, that's the type of moves we see teams make. And, you know, a lot of the time it ends up hurting them later on down the line, but if they get the cup worth.
1: Yeah. And this is kind of what we've seen with Pittsburgh too, with the Zucker deal where they're just going to keep going for it. These two teams. And I think that they are in a division together. I think it forces them to just keep upping the ante
0: arms race kind of thing going on. Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. And kind of like with Boston and Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay probably won't do much at the deadline because they don't have a lot of room. Boston's going to feel the pressure too. They're going to feel like they've got to do something because you know Boston had won the division, had the division one.
0: and then Tampa turned ago. it up, yeah.
1: And now they only have a, a three point lead on the Lightning because the Lightning have decided to care again. Yep, white Lightning have won eight in a row. By the way, yeah. So and we'll be in Denver next week. Yep. None kind of that lo- will be a fun key Challenging schedule for the ABS on this homestand. Yep. Uh a five game homestand, Ottawa was kind of the freebie.
0: Yeah. It's their last really hard stretch of schedule, I would say. They have a bunch of games that, you know, it, the betting lines are gonna favor the ABS after this next week or so of games. Yeah. Capitals tonight, obviously. Kings are a team you should beat, but Stadium series atmosphere. Kings are also
1: a team that are playing, they play really hard every night and they play really effectively. They just have problems with goaltending and they have problems finishing. Yep. But in terms of process, the Kings have to feel like they're not far off right now. Uh, for a bad team, you've got to feel like the Kings are one of the teams you don't want to play. Uh, whereas like the Sens and Sabres are teams that you're okay with. And then next week they have Tampa Bay and the Islanders coming to town.
0: Yeah, Definitely two tough teams obviously i'm sure everyone remembers the last islanders game where the avs lost one nothing and that whole process and then tampa bay is the opposite you have no idea what's going to happen in that game yeah and even after that like um at anaheim
1: at la given where they are in the standings again not teams where you're like oh these these are scary but yeah la has been i believe la is straight up 500 at home uh and then anaheim has been colorado's like all of the teams that used to beat Colorado regularly, the Avs have beaten all of them now, yep. except Anaheim. Going back to even at the end of last year, uh, you remember that loss where Anaheim came in and, and yeah. came back, back from a 2 nothing deficit and beat them on the March 15th? was like, oh no, they might actually miss the playoffs. Yep. And then they had to rattle off. They had to to, to go 8-0-2 down the stretch to recover from that. Yep. So... And then they get Buffalo at home and then Carolina Nashville back to back road games. That's not going to be easy. Nope. So February, February, the end of February schedule is, is going to be a challenge for them yeah. in different I mean, ways. And it does get much easier once they hit March. But. Yeah, March, March sets up where they should legitimately they should lose like two games in March.
0: <laughs> yeah. That- That March schedule is very easy in comparison. They will be favored in every single game in March. Yeah, even the one back-to-back they have is San Jose LA. So, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so this is kind of an important stretch for the A's. If they can be solid on this homestand and through the rest of February, they probably hold the first spot in the West over the blues at the end of the month and have room to gain in March. Yep. So exciting times as always, AJ final thoughts here as as you get ready to head out and get a story about Ovechkin scoring 700 goals. I'm excited. Um, I
1: was in the building when Solani got his last big milestone um, in Anaheim. Just happened to be there <laughs> more than anything. Uh, if I get to see Ovechkin score 700, that's going to be pretty cool. If I don't, also pretty cool. Like get to go and watch two of the best teams in the league go head to head. I think it's going to be a fun night at Pepsi Center, man. And what a what a 24 hours for I guess 48 hours for for the Pepsi Center with uh, Lakers Nuggets in overtime last night and now abs yeah. caps tonight.
0: Yep. And so there you go. If the ice is bad, blame Lakers Nuggets going to overtime. You know, honestly blame LeBron. (laughs) Blame LeBron confirmed. It's very easy to do as an NBA fan. All right. There we go. Moral of the story is blame LeBron. We are going to get out of here for the day. Uh, As always, thank you for listening. This was a Thursday. So show. So you will hear from us again tomorrow. Mile High Green Cross has award winning products and has everyday low prices on in house products, such as $99 pre pack ounces and V3 hash oil bulk deals, five cartridges for $100. You can sign up for their loyalty program today and get 20% off your entire purchase once per month. Even if you're already signed up, just mention this DNVR ad and you will get the 20% off as well. They're conveniently located on 9th and Broadway and have parking in the back, so real easy to just drop in and get what you need. And if you don't have cash, that's no problem either as they accept Hyper. Once again, just sign up for that loyalty Program to get twenty percent off your next purchase. The NPR Avalanche with Hapley and Rudo. The are Avalanche.